Gen X Grown Up is a YouTube channel website and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up. Your dinner Welcome back, Gen X Grown Up Podcast listeners to episode number 25 of the Gen X Grown Up Podcast. I'm John. Joining me as always is Mo. Hey, everybody. And George. Hey, how's it going, guys? We got a lot of great topics to cover, but before we get into that, best part of any given show is our listeners, and I have another <laughs> message from one of our fourth listeners. George, you will remember last episode we talked a little bit about the adventures of Captain Spirit, and we were talking about the fact that Corey, whom our uh, Corey rating system is named after, we called out to him to say, hey, is there a multiplier possibly? We want to hear what he says. Well, guess what? Corey wrote back to us. Go figure. <laughs> okay. He hit me up via Facebook and he said, regarding the multiplier, I do feel it exists, but I would probably be looking at more in the range of $25 for one of those episodic games. Double multipliers, what he's saying, for a 12-hour game, roughly two times. It's the most he would allot for the Corey system. Okay. <laughs> and only for one like Life is Strange, as they earn more props than the a typical Telltale type game. Due to the super invested story after playing Beyond the Storm, I actually went back and played the first again as there was more impact now that I had an attachment to Rachel having known her. There you go. So I mean, we were saying <laughs> in the Corey system, you know, the game is only worth a dollar per hour. Right. But uh, here it is. The man himself has said, yes, there is a multiplier if the game is good enough. So right. whew, only in the most extreme exceptions, apparently. That's right. For questionable purchases, maybe there's there's hope for me yet. <laughs> yeah. He did wrap it up both saying, but George is still a sucker paying $40 for a 10 to 12 hour game. <laughs> well, of course he did. <laughs> <laughs> and yet he went back and played the very first game again. So I'm yeah, calling so maybe that he's last more statement into question. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'm an equal sucker, George. I also pre-ordered Life is Strange 2 after playing uh, Captain Spirit. Yeah, me too. So as always, Corey, we thank you for writing in. We love when our fourth listener takes a moment to write in. Contact us via Facebook, email, messages, whatever it is. We sure appreciate you listening. And every time you write in, we put it in the mailbag so that we can cover it here on the show. Before we get into the regular topics, there's a bit of news that I want to talk about. I feel like maybe we should play some taps a little bit. We are down to our last blockbuster brick and mortar store in the United States. Wow. Wow. There's one left. Not that I loved Blockbuster. I tend to be more of a movie gallery guy back in the day, but mm -hmm. just physical rental stores. They have kind of a little, you know, special spot in my heart as a place that, you know, we would frequent a lot growing up as Gen Xers. You'd stop by on the way home on a Friday night and you rent five movies and you watch two of them and take them all back unviewed sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but there's one left in Bend, Oregon. There were two in Alaska and they're right. about to close. Really? Wait, the ones that uh, John Oliver sent the stuff yeah, to? Yeah, John Oliver. That's yeah. going to close? Yep. It How couldn't survive, yep. even though, well, you know, just because you're a codpiece museum does not mean you're going to make a lot of movie rentals. <laughs> exactly. I guess there's not enough people up there that watch John Oliver to want to go in the store afterwards. Uh, I don't know. I guess. I guess not. Hey, if I was up there, I'd go. I would go too. <laughs> yeah. It's a shame. I don't like seeing Blockbuster die. You know, like Radio Shack, I kind of didn't feel bad about because they'd kind of run themselves into the ground. But I feel like Blockbuster, they've been yeah. clawing and biting trying to stay alive, even though they're pretty much obsolete. It's kind of sad. Yeah. You know, it sounds like this could be a potential backtrack topic. It does sound like it could. Movie rental stores, right? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Movie rentals. Yeah, maybe uh, as the Blockbuster fades out, we will have to remember it as it disappears because you know that the, the one in yeah. Bend, Oregon, the last one, it's uh, probably not long for this world, unfortunately. All right. Well, with that... Let's jump into our show. Good news, baby. Now you can wiggle, you can scrunch, be a moving honey bunch. Cause now you can't wiggle with this out of love. Introducing love's new super baby pants. 
Big Audacious Idea is the new podcast for deep thinkers and inquisitive minds. Each episode, Craig James blends philosophy and science to explore a bold new topic with one of today's most provocative thought leaders. Here, Seth Godin reframed the idea of cryptocurrency. Listen to Aaron Burdick's predictions for the future of augmented and virtual reality. Ponder life after death with Stephen Holly Martin. You can find Big Audacious Idea on your favorite podcast app or go to evergreenpodcast.com. Big Audacious Idea. See the big picture. So let's get into like the media, which is one of my favorite parts of the show. John, I know you have something about Commodore, yeah. of all things. <laughs> you all know that I am a hardcore sucker for any kind of a documentary. And I came across a new documentary. It was just dropped February 2018 called The Commodore Story. Have you guys seen this at all? No. No, I haven't. Well, I know that, uh, Mo, you were more of a big uh, Apple guy. George, you were a huge Commodore 64 guy. We were both Amiga guys. Yep. It was a Kickstarter campaign, as so many things are these days. It covers all the way back to the PET, the VIC-20, the Commodore 64, the Amiga. Oh, wow. It'll bring a tear to your eye. I just wrapped up watching this last night, actually. And they have tons of interviews with people who were there, who were there at CES trade shows and were there when they were, you know, had the drawing out the chipset on whiteboards and almost sold to Atari. And there's a lot of history there. And the thing about Commodore, even though I was kind of an Amiga guy at first and came over to Commodore and the Amiga, it seemed like the guys that worked on Commodore, unlike Atari, that was just a big conglomerate, there was a lot of heart going on at that company. Let me tell you, I mean, I learned to, my first programming experience was on a VIC-20. Mm-hmm. I had one of those suckers and I learned to write basic programs there. So I thought it was pretty amazing for the time. It's not surprising to me that we're seeing this documentary right now, though, because if you take a look on YouTube, a lot of our channels that we think of as favorites are doing a lot of Commodore and Amiga stuff. I mean, and a lot of these guys who were there at the beginning are coming out and doing interviews right now. Uh, Retro Man Cave just had a guy over there from the Commodore days, I think it was. And sure, yeah. Bit guy has his Commodore history series and things like that. Even LGR, I think, has done some Vic 20 and Commodore stuff. Yeah. Speaking of 8 Bit Guy, 8 Bit Guy is one of the talking heads that gets interviewed during the Commodore story. He shows oh, up in wow. this. There you yeah. go. Yeah. It's kind of cool uh, from a YouTube creator standpoint is that you get to see more of his set. It's an interview, right? So we're kind of in his natural habit. Habitat, and you can see his little environment and his studio, which is kind of a nice behind the scenes. But he's such a huge kind of Commodore documentarian in his own right. He does so much Commodore history and he loves the company and the machines. To have him there kind of in this most legitimizes him and the documentary a bit because he's already well established. I mean, really, the Commodore, I mean, that's like the history of early computers, you think about it. It is. I mean, in this documentary, you're absolutely right, Mo. They can't just talk about the Commodore. It's intertwined with everything else. They talk about what else was going on in the industry at the time. And, you know, Amigo is so far ahead of it. It's time and uh, with the challenges they faced. Yeah, you're right. It's it's more than just a Commodore documentary, even though it's just focused on that. So. Cool. Well, especially with Commodore, the company. I mean, they basically started out as part of the Trinity, right? Because you had Tandy Radio Shack with the TRS-80. You had the Commodore mm-hmm. Pet. And then you also had the um, Apple II at that time. Apple II, Apple II. 78, yeah. I think. Yeah. All three of them. It's no wonder we don't have more of these documentaries coming out right now as we're all growing up into our Gen X, you know, midlife crisis phase where we might want to start a <laughs> acquiring this, of course, people are going to start putting it out there in the media. So check it out. I think you'll you'll both enjoy it. It's up on my Plex if you want to check oh, it yeah, out. And sure. uh, listener, if you are interested at all, you can head over to their Kickstarter page. We'll put a link down in the uh, show notes down below so where you can find it. Commodore Story. That sounds awesome. George, what about you? What have you been checking out in the media realm? I don't have a lot of time right now because I just started some new work and doing a whole bunch of stuff with comic books and everything, trying to keep comic scenes going with all the stuff that we keep getting in the mail every day. But mm-hmm. I did find 
a little eight episode Danish Netflix series that I really enjoyed. And I just binge watched it last uh, night. What? <laughs> yeah. A Danish Netflix. Okay. All right. All right yeah. I'm with you. So it's a Danish Netflix post-apocalyptic type story. It's called The Rain. Oh, I've seen it. I mean, I've seen the advertisement for it. Okay. It's very typical as far as a virus hits the area that, you know, the characters inhabit and everybody's dead except for just a few lone survivors who are trekking through the wilderness and surviving. And I found that it was really engaging, even though, you know, it's subtitled. So of course, you know, I don't speak Danish, so I have to read the subtitles. (laughs) So that's a slight (laughs) bit of a distraction. (laughs) This is coming as news to me. You don't speak Danish. I don't speak Danish. Yeah, I thought you spoke. No. Really? Huh. They do have some English speaking parts. It was kind of interesting to me because the characters, they do a time jump very early on in the first episode. So the two main characters are a brother and sister who get locked in a bunker by their father who works for the big corporation that turns out to be, you know, the bad people. You figure that out very quickly. So it's not really a spoiler. I think the boy is like 11 and the girl is like 15 or something like that. And then they time jump ahead six years Hmm. through kind of like a, kind of like a Rambo style montage where they're just, they're drawing (laughs) on the walls and they're eating and they're dancing and they're watching cartoons and montage. things like that. And then, even Rocky had a yeah. montage. <laughs> so they're in their shelter in their bomb place and they're starting to run out of food. The sister goes out one night to try and see what's happened around the world because they have not left the bunker for six years. They've been down there the whole time. Oh, the whole, so the whole flash forward, they've been the whole stuck flash in forward. They've been down there. They go outside. Some people kind of see them and follow them back to their bunker. And of course Uh-oh. they end up getting forced out of their bunker. This is the group they end up joining to end up surviving in the wilderness together. It's a really fun little series. I was very surprised at it, but the reason why I wanted to bring it up in this day and age, you know, we have network TV, right? And things get canceled like fucking timeless and firefly. Mm, and, yes. Yeah. Uh. Right. And too soon, we're still fresh. I know. (laughs) So, but we have this new era now where all the different media outlets online, Netflix, YouTube Red, Hulu, all that kind of stuff. What I found really interesting about the series, it dropped on May the 4th. On May the 30th, they renewed it for season two. (laughs) Nice. So in other words, they they saw how well it did and they just kept it going. Exactly. And that's one of the best parts about some of the new media ways of distribution, right? I mean, the fact that a service like Netflix or YouTube or anything can have real actual data, not the Nielsen, you know, Mm -hmm. there's one box and 12 TVs and a household kind of crap. that Because it's their stream. They know how much is going through the pipe. Exactly. So they know instantly that people not only watched it, but how much they watched of the show. They have all of that data. Makes a lot of sense. They're able to collate it in a two-week period and announce 26 days after a show is released that it's already renewed. I don't care about the networks anymore. Fuck ABC, NBC, <laughs> CBS, all of those guys. Fox especially. I hate Fox. All the best stuff is coming out of these these new media yeah. locations. That's, uh, yeah. You don't have to wait and, you know, wonder if something's going to get picked up or renewed mm-hmm. or anything. The nail-biting period. Yeah. You talk about instant gratification in today's modern media info internet age. This is like one of the best examples of that for me. All right. Okay. You know, it wasn't on my radar at all. So The Rain on Netflix. And uh, how many episodes is it? There are eight episodes. They range anywhere from an hour and 10 minutes to 35 minutes, depending upon the episode. So they kind (laughs) of... Weird. Yeah. Well, the first (laughs) one is the long one. You know, it looks like it probably would have been a double episode had it been on network TV. Okay. After that, they're in about the 35 to 40 minute range. And really good series. 
fun characters, very engaging, even though, you know, it's subtitled for us English speakers. Mm -hmm. It's well worth it, in my opinion. Well, thanks. Mo, how about you, man? Well, it's kind of funny because mine is like, I think the opposite end of the spectrum of like these streaming service TV shows and movies can be like. Okay. Because I saw How It Ends, which is on Netflix. It's a movie. Yeah. And um, John... Do not watch this. Oh, what? Just John? No, John George specifically. George is okay to watch because, because it sucks and George sucks. No, no, no. The reason why I say John <laughs> is if John, if I guarantee if you watch this movie, you're going to do another walk and talk. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, Lord. Because it ends badly? It ends it is, It ends horribly. Well, it's in the title. It should have told you. The, I mean, the basic premise is, you know, this guy's like in Chicago. His wife's on the West Coast. All of a sudden, something happens in the West Coast. No one knows what. Right. There's no electricity. There's no power in the whole country. There's no cell service. So him and this girlfriend's father are driving from Chicago to Portland to find her. Right. Okay. That's fine. Right. Okay. On the way there, nobody knows what the hell is going on. It's just that people are just fleeing the area. And then as they get closer, they find like the military is bringing tanks there. And there's jet fighters flying around and the government's not saying anything at all. Then they get to like this one area and it's all like, Ash, like I mean, it's like like a volcano erupted or something. Like everything's covered mm. in ash. There's dead people everywhere. They go through the whole thing, and I, I dislike this movie so much. I'm going to tell you how it ends. <laughs> okay, they get to the end. Guy finds the girlfriend. Also, there's this rolling, flaming cloud coming after him, and that's how it ends. Wow. <laughs> they don't explain okay. anything. They don't tell you what's going on. You never find out anything. <laughs> it ends with them fleeing. This burning cloud kind of volcano-ish thing. And they probably don't escape, so that's it. You don't know. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> to tell you the truth. Well, now, was part of why you didn't care because you weren't invested in the characters during the story, or? The, the characters I most cared about, like, most of them kind of disappear or die at some point. Okay. And the main guy, he makes it all the end. I'm like, okay, he finds his girlfriend. Okay, that's great. And then it's like, then I'm thinking, okay, now here's where we kind of get the payoff, right? They're going to sit there. He, since he's where it's happening, he shouldn't figure out what's going on and blah, blah, blah. Nope. Uh-uh. <sighs> <sighs> Thank you for saving me two hours of my life. The credits start rolling and I'm staring at the screen like, what the fuck? <laughs> and see, oddly enough, I had seen it somewhere else, you know, for downloading. So I'd read the synopsis okay. and I went ahead and downloaded it because I saw that you put it on the list of stuff to uh-huh. talk about. So I'm like, okay, well, Mo's watched it. Let me go ahead and grab it. But I think I'm going to go ahead now and watch it, it because. <laughs> oh, no. Actually, I'm I fine would, with I would love to hear what you think of it. I like these cliffhanger cutoff ending type of things that don't give you anything. I kind of enjoy that because a lot of times that's the way life is. And I know that John wants his stuff neatly wrapped up with a little bow and wants, you know, not what I ever said. It's not what I said. No, no, no. It's not what I said. But it's okay. I'm if, saying write a damn ending. Why? It had to be a happy ending or even to make sense. They don't have to ending, write an please. ending. It's how it ends. It's in the title. It told you That's how you stories work. They have a no, beginning, a middle, and an ending. How it ends? You think <laughs> they'd answer that question since it's the title of the freaking movie. <laughs> Maybe that's not the title. Maybe somebody put a post-it note on the script that said be sure to write an ending and then they forgot when they started filming (laughs) (laughs) but the whole movie was like this big mystery what's going on and what's happening and i'm like really (laughs) so anyway 
I, I personally say don't watch it because it's just piss you off. But uh, George, you know, if you want to watch it, maybe it hey, if this floats your boat, man, go for it. Well, you know, I'm I'm going to watch it out of spite now. Right? <laughs> of course. I, that's just the way I <laughs> I have to be contrarian about it. All right. So Commodore Story, a, a Danish series and a movie we shouldn't watch. So that should wrap it <laughs> oh, up. No, 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 no. That's not what? it. We're not done. OK. We're not done. Oh, until George all has something else. Done. I still have one other thing. Oh, begging your pardon. <laughs> In case anybody's unaware, we do have a YouTube channel. I should hope so. Hope they know. (laughs) Hopefully they do. One of our friends through our YouTube channel is MC Murr. You guys remember MC Murr? We've done work with him on some cross videos and things like that. We met him Mm -hmm. in person at SFGE 2018. Super nice guy. He filled in for you when you were on vacation. He did. He filled in on the podcast. The guy's rock solid. We love MC Murr. One of the new series that he's got going on his YouTube channel has really caught my eye a little bit. I watch a couple of other channels, other than ours here and there, but I don't really consume a ton of YouTube content. But MC Murr has this new series called Video Game Prices in the 90s. Have you guys seen any of this yet? Yes, 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 absolutely. It's I have really seen fun. He's got yeah, it's fun. four episodes out. I binged them all last night right after I watched The Rain. And I wasn't sure if I was going to watch it, but it was kind of curious because I was like, what's he talking about about video game prices in the 90s? How is that a series? He's turned this into a really fun little series. What he's doing, he's talking about video games that he bought in the late 90s, like 97 is where he started off the series. He's actually found this. And he still has all his old receipts, Yeah, he right? found this box full of receipts and these invoices from where he bought these different classic Nintendo cartridges and Sega Genesis and all these different cartridges for these different consoles. He shows the game, talks a little bit about it, shows the play, and then gives you what the game cost him then, how much that translates into $2018, and then how much the game is selling for now, like on things like eBay and things like that, to see if the game has increased in value or decreased in value based on what he purchased it for. It sounds kind of dry a little bit, but it's really not because MC Murr has this infectious personality that just really (laughs) drives it home. I've really enjoyed it. I would love to see if he would take it in a voiceover style a little bit more because I think it would lend itself really well to that because I noticed like when he was showing the gameplay of the games while he was talking about them, Uh you know, it's up in that little um, picture in picture kind of window that he does. Right. That would be really neat to see front of the screen and then like maybe I love that little pan that he does when he's going into the pricing where he shows Mm -hmm. the cartridge laid up against a bunch of other cartridges on his shelf and then puts the little banner across the bottom and that banner across the bottom that banner is really nice he did a really good job on that so I'm guessing he's really been stepping up his production quality over the last uh, several months I've noticed you know he's done more editing than he used to do he used to do everything just in camera Mm -hmm. uh, and he started doing a ton more editing and production and it's really starting to show up in these new Well, I wondered if you hadn't been given him pointers. That's why I was asking what your thoughts were, because it it looks like some of the techniques that you've taught Mo and I might have been translated over to MC Murr's stuff because he's doing a really good job with this stuff. And anybody out there who's listening, if you haven't heard of MC Murr, Mo, you'll put some show notes down below for the guys to go find these videos. Yeah, he's got some really fun stuff. It's good content. It's a little hidden, but it's really fun. You guys should definitely check it out. It's kind of the beginning of his new wave of uh, editing and more production. And I, I won't take any credit for any of his production values. We do talk occasionally. You know, he asks asks for input and stuff, but uh, this is his baby. I turned his notifications bell on. I realized I didn't have it on previously, (laughs) just so when one of those drops, I can go watch it. Well, look at that. It is notification bell worthy. (laughs) (laughs) And now some typical consumer reaction to an exciting Pizza Hut offer. Yabba-dabba-doo! Yabba-dabba-doo! 
Yabba Dabba Doo. Could you use a helping hand on your next electronics project? Quad Hands is the ultimate third hand helping hands vice and hobby station. The first thing you'll notice is how heavy a quad hands is. It's made from solid steel and then coated with a baked on powder coat for a durable finish. And the rubber feet are going to keep it from sliding on your bench and give you a nice sturdy work surface. Those flexible all metal gooseneck arms feature rotating alligator clips to hold your boards and wires firmly in place. And removable silicone covers come pre-installed on those clips to protect those delicate wires and boards. And those arms can be put anywhere you need them, no fumbling around with awkward joints that are difficult to position. The quad hands was designed to help you do your best work. It's built to last right here in the USA and backed by a lifetime guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Order yours today from Amazon or quadhands.com. Gen X Grown Up podcast listeners can save 20%. Just use offer code GENXUP20, that's genxup two zero For your next project, let a quad hands hold what your hands create. Here's a part we like to talk about tech toys, technology, toys, websites, anything that has to do with tech in general and toys that we like to play with. Uh, and I want to start out, Mo, by talking a little bit about a website that you mentioned on the last podcast. Mm -hmm. You tipped us off to Review Meta, oh, the yeah. site. They kind of re-aggregate reviews that are on Amazon, oh, right? Oh, right. Yeah. And see which ones are valid, which ones are not. Mm -hmm. Yep. So I put the uh, extension in my Chrome, which means that every time you log into any computer, Chrome says, welcome to Review Meta because it updates <laughs> the uh, right. plugins. I've got it. I've started using it very religiously. Two things that I want to say about it. First, it's really neat to be able to use it and say, yeah, there's some reviews. Is it actually going to influence my purchase? So I've enjoyed that. The second is, for whatever reason, the things I've been shopping for have almost always been unaffected by bogus I reviews. I noticed the same Which thing. is a little bit encouraging. Yeah. Okay. I know you had some charging cables you came right. across that went from a four to a one and a half. Yeah. So the good news is probably that there's enough of a volume of stuff out there. Maybe Amazon is doing its due diligence, like they said. Uh, I'll see something that says a four and a half. I'm like, yeah, four and a half. Review meta, do your stuff. And it goes, we've run the numbers. We did the checksum. The new review is four and a half. Right. Oh, okay. Okay. The one thing <laughs> yeah. I did notice, though, it does cull out some of the reviews. Like, you know, it might have been 5,000 reviews previously, and now it's down to like 3,500, even though the score yeah, it might is be doing the its same. work. Yeah. Yeah. So th what that tells me is probably it's killing things that are like incredibly low and incredibly high. And so all that that averages out to be a null sum. And so the ones that are like thoughtful reviews end up in the middle and then it ends up about the same. Every time I look for something, I'm like, let's check it out. And it's like, oh, it's identical, like a tenth <laughs> of a point off or something. Then you've experienced that too, George. Yeah. I mean, so far, I've, I think I've looked up probably 20 or 30 items using it mm -hmm. to yeah. the most part. I think there was one that was one star different, uh, but okay. everything All else right. has been pretty right across the boards. Whatever Amazon said, Review Meta said the same thing. I did take some time to read the details a little bit about the reviews that were unacceptable. And I found that interesting because there were a lot of those accounts, like Mo was saying, fake accounts that are posting to a bunch of different stuff and posting the same review to like a ton of different stuff. So yeah, they're the like, same no, phrases, this guy doesn't the same word. The yeah. criteria is interesting. Why they uh, filter that out is actually pretty interesting. You know, oh, keywords used over right. and over, repeated phrases, things like that. That's pretty cool. So, so thanks for the find. It hasn't been a huge like light bulb moment for me. It's good to know that there is some accuracy on the Amazon rating system. Yeah, if anything else, it makes you feel confident in what you want to buy, right? It's like a second check. It's like, okay, this says this rating. Let's one more check and see if I really, really believe it. And that, yeah, 
yeah, a little more confidence. Absolutely. Is there anything else that you've got, John, or is that all? No, no. Yeah, this is the day of updates okay. for all me. Right. So the Tech Toys Arena, we talked last time about uh, those cool new puzzle cubes that I got for my birthday. Oh, yeah, right. And it got me uh, energized again about new and different cubes. And I had this one crazy cube called the X2 cube that literally looks like an X. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's hard to describe. We'll put a link down below. But it's also one of those deforming cubes that ends up, Mo talked about a little bit. It looks like something you throw to kill somebody. <laughs> because this giant block. Of, it looks like rubble smashed out of a building. To me, I've seen the picture of it. To me, it looks like somebody took five regular Rubik's Cubes and glued them together <laughs> like with That's one in the right. middle and then four around the edges of the one yeah. in the middle. So that X2 cube that has all the like the five cubes together, I, I wanted to learn how to do it and I couldn't figure it out. So I started researching and I went to a cool uh, YouTube channel called JR Cuber, amazing guy I'm subscribed to. In his tutorial, he says, oh, well, it's derivative of this X cube, which is a smaller version that has not as many pieces. So I had to go and buy the X cube <laughs> so that I can learn to do it because the X2 cube is based on it. And so now I've been able to solve them both. Yay! <laughs> well, I think no matter what, this should end up as a table prop at our next convention because it's got our one of our letters of our name in its form. It's right? got the X yeah. for Gen X. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, that's yep. perfect for our table. So if you enjoy cubing, the thing about I wouldn't recommend the X2 cube. It's a little too rickety. It looks great, but to solve, it's like it clicks and it pops and it kind of when you turn it, it doesn't, you know, it sticks sometimes. But the X cube, the smaller version, is a really nice change. Once you get used to the Rubik's cube, which George, you're getting the mastery of yeah, again, I've, I know. I've gotten now third layer crosses are memory free. I don't have to go look them up. I'm good on those. So now it's the yep, corners. There you go. It's yeah. all practice, mm -hmm. right? So once you get used to that, other than just going, hey, let's four by four, five by five, six by six, these shape changing cubes, actually, I found that are uh, they're a nice change of pace. It's some it's derivative, but there are some new patterns to learn and some new things to look for. If you like to exercise your brain with that, they're a pretty interesting way to go. We'll put a link down in the show notes below where you can check them out. Now, John, I know that's not the only cube thing you did this week, though. You're right. Yeah, we talked a few weeks ago about that Go Cube, right? The Kickstarter yeah. campaign that I made yes, you purchase. You and, did, and I think Mo had to purchase. Yeah, <laughs> I'm still waiting for my refund yeah, on that. By too. the way, when are you sending me some money for that? It's in the mail. It's in the mail. It's in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> Great Weird Al reference there. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, we had an interview with uh, one of the creators of the Go Cube. Uh, we talked via Skype for about uh, 30 minutes or so. We discussed the inspiration behind the Go Cube, the tech that's inside of it, uh, and that'll be coming together in a video on our YouTube channel before too long, maybe in a week or so. Nice. Yeah, that'll be good. I'm, I can't wait to see it because I didn't get to sit in on the Skype thing, so I'm looking forward to what the guy who created this thing has to say. It is very interesting, and he uh, he goes into some of the inspirations behind it, the team that they have, and uh, what you have to look forward to when you get your Go Cube. We even took a sneak peek at a real Go Cube in action right on Skype. Nice. Oh, nice. nice. Very nice. Oh, that's yeah. cool. So uh, if you're not already subscribed to our YouTube channel, head on over there and click notifications on. And when that pops, you will get an alert and you can check out our interview with the creator of the GoCube. Is this a private party or can any store crash? So new Coke is catching on. The taste is better and newer than... than, 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 than. <laughs> you said the P word. <laughs> so what I want to know is if you're drinking Coke, who's drinking Pepsi? Hello, Gen X grown up. I'm Matt Man. I'm Tom at Two Stars. And together, we're the Deep, Deep Fried, Fried Geeks. Geeks. A weekly podcast where we talk about movies, comics, TV shows, food, gaming, and general geek news. That's right. Sometimes, we even have celebrity guests. Oh yeah, like who? Like Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> the Incredible Hulk. Hulk wanna sit here while we pod. 
Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> you guys are the funniest guys in the world. <laughs> Christopher Walken. You know, I've never been on a better podcast. I think I like it a lot. And Gollum from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> so if you like Loudmouths, you guys are a little bit too awesome for your taste, but you know what? That's okay anyway. Then make sure you check us out anywhere where you listen to your podcast. Keep calm and geek on. Games. 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 Games, 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 skip this section and move on to (laughs) (laughs) just listen we got past the hard part mo let's talk about the games now all right all right all right who's been playing what well i'm gonna do a quick quick recap i talked before about the lego incredibles that i picked up because the incredibles 2 came out right yeah and how it was like yeah it's a lego game it's all right it's kind of a slow burn it wasn't pulling me back well these damn lego games (laughs) It actually kept pulling me back, and pu- and now I've hundred percented the Lego Incredibles. <laughs> it's just like the intro to the segment. You know it's coming. You hate it, but when it's there, you can't get away from it. Well, except I don't hate the Lego Incredibles. <laughs> <laughs> No, so seriously, it started and I'm like, yeah, I could take it or leave it. But every time I stopped playing it, it was like, you know, if I could go just get the last few mini kits, I could go and get those. And then I could get one more of those characters unlocked. And then I've only got about 20 left. Yes, I cracked. And then when I unlock Syndrome and I could fly, I could fly around the city and collect all the cubes that are up high. Just just one more. Just one more thing. Come on. I know. (laughs) It's just one more dollar. It is. So after wrapping up The Incredibles. One more. Tiny Whiffer. It kind of reinvigorated remembering what I liked about the Lego games. They have added a lot of new mechanics to it that are interesting. You went and got another Lego game. I went game. and got the, I did. I went and got the Lego Marvel oh, 2 Lord. Lego game. <laughs> and now listen, oh, don't oh Lord me how now, George. This is right up your alley because there is so much deep track Marvel comic universe lore going on really? in this game that I don't get okay. half of it. But I watched a review and they're like, well, yeah, you'll see this and you'll see the version of him from this and you'll unlock a character where that's from the comic book version and then the movie version. Huh. Okay. And there's characters that like, as I'm playing the Marvel two Lego game and it's like, Oh, there's this guy that's uh, he's like, he came from this other realm at the end of time and he's got six eyes and he's got a laser in his arm and whatever his name <laughs> is. And I'm like, George would know who this is. And he'd go, Oh my God. And I would go, that's a cool robot. <laughs> but there is a lot of stuff there's like kang the conqueror or somebody and he's a time travel Uh dude but apparently they built the story out of a bunch of marvel lore it's not really based on any of the movies per se it's its own story about this kang the conqueror time travel Mm -hmm. dude yep he's a very big figure right apparently so yeah yeah And I'm, I'm playing characters and minifigures I'm unlocking that I don't know who the hell they are. I mean, okay, I know Iron Man and Spider-Man, right. but now I'm playing as this woman who had, she stretches and smashes things. And I'm like, 
Captain Marvel. And, uh, yeah, I mean that's what maybe. it sounds like. Was it okay? I mean, sure. I, let's pretend I scene, but <laughs> <laughs> but as I'm playing it in the back of my head, I'm thinking George ought to be playing this because he would dig all the references more than I do. I'm just enjoying smashing it, collecting studs, right. and getting bricks. Well, maybe I'll have to grab it. I'm assuming it's available through Steam. It is, uh, but don't go buy th- through Steam because okay. it's still forty bucks on Steam. Oh Lord! Uh, yeah. But thanks to our friends at IsThereAnyDeal.com, I was able to find it for twenty bucks. Oh, okay. All right, that's worth it. I can do uh, that. Which is not bad. And I, I got at least about 20 hours out of Lego Incredibles. So I didn't feel too bad about 20 bucks on that. Okay. So, uh, well, at least Corey won't yell at you and tell you, what was it he called me up there? I was a sucker or something like that, he said before. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah he said you're a sucker for paying 40 bucks for yeah. that game. So but, at least uh, you don't yeah. have to worry about that part. I haven't played a Lego game since probably like Star Wars 2, I think, was the last Lego mm-hmm. game I played. Yeah, sure. This sounds like it might be, you know, something to tide me over until the new Life is Strange comes out in what, October, September, October? September. Yeah. yeah. All right. Mo, how about you? What have you been playing? Um, I picked up actually during this, the big Steam sale. I don't know if you guys got sucked into that like I did. No, I stayed Those away are from it, fortunately. Yeah, but you're <laughs> smart. I didn't. And I got like, now I got like 50 games I'm never going to play. <laughs> you mean 50 more? More right. games, yeah, fifty more games that I can play added to the ones from previous years. You know, we've been doing a whole bunch of stuff with like Don't Nod, their company, because mm-hmm. of all the oh, yeah. Life is Strange, mm-hmm. all the other great stuff. Right. So I picked up their first game. They actually first big game they did was called Remember Me. Hmm, that sounds a little familiar. What was all that right. about? So this is pre Life is Strange. And yeah, pre Life is Strange. So it's kind of like a kind of a future thing where like basically memories are commodities and they could add and take away people's memories like very easily. Ah, okay. And of course, there's a group of people who you know are against the establishment because they're using it for evil purposes and all that good stuff. Right. But the cool mechanic they have in it, which actually I wish they did more of it, was like and just a scenario like a woman's attacking you, right? Because she's like, oh, I was paid to kill you because you killed my whatever, you know, kill whoever. But you could during the fight, you're actually able to go back into her memories and change them. To change her motivation so right. she doesn't want to kill you anymore? Right, exactly. Oh, huh. So you actually change huh. her motivation. So now she's a, suddenly, she's like, you change it. You have to change it the right way. And that's kind of like part of the puzzle. Like there's all these different things you could change. You have to try different combinations to get the outcome you want. Okay. Well, you mean like change her scarf that she's wearing or change somebody's perfume? What are you talking about changing? No, it could be as simple as move this pen and have it fall off the table. What? Which causes the person to bend over, which causes this, which causes that. Oh, wow. It's like a whole butterfly <laughs> effect in memory kind of yeah. thing. Oh, wow. all and, right. And there's different things. So you have to do different combinations of things. And there's some things you do that do nothing. So you're like, okay, you know, tipping over that thing really didn't change one thing or another but if i take the safety off the gun then that does something oh okay oh yeah it would (laughs) okay and so then all of a sudden the person who's trying to kill you you come back and she's like look i'm not here to fight you (laughs) okay i'm here to help you because of blah 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 because she doesn't realize that all her memories have changed and her motivations have changed. So what style of game is this? Is this a first-person shooter? Third or is person. this like a story-based? Third, third okay. person. The thing is, you can tell it's like a definitely an earlier game for them. Like, it doesn't have quite all the sophistication, I guess, of like the later games that they did. But it's very playable. It's a little bit linear. You definitely know like, okay, it's leading me down this road. It's taking me here. I don't. I can't deviate at all. Which kind of doesn't bother me too much. I mean, I like linear games now that I get older and have less time. <laughs> yeah. 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 And the big open open worlds to explore are fun, but there's so much to do. You're often paralyzed and you never get around to the story. But linear doesn't bother me too much. All right. Okay. Yeah. So like I said it was it was definitely an enjoyable game that, you know, I'm still playing it. You know, again, you kind of definitely get that whole immersive thing like that Don't Nod is pretty famous for. Oh, really? Okay. So you, you could already sense some of that. Emotionally attached to people and feeling caring if they die. 
that kind of stuff. So it's, right. it's definitely worth getting, especially I think it's probably still on sale, I'm sure. It's an older game. Definitely worth so doing. what'd you pay for it? And uh, what have you got out of it so far? Oh, geez. I paid, I think it was five bucks for it. Oh, wow. Okay. Almost insta-buy, right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and like, you know, like that $2.99 is like the really insta-buy. So it was like right. four ninety nine. I played like probably 10 hours already on it. Wow. Well, oh, yeah, wow. Double course. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, for sure. Very good. You know, I, I remember seeing this a long time ago and was vaguely interested in it. I didn't know any of its lineage. So I might have to go back and check it out then. Yeah. There was this game that we saw at the uh, Southern Fried Gaming Expo. And I think, John, you just did a live stream of it, right? Oh, yeah. You're talking about Neon the Ninja, <laughs> aren't you? <laughs> Great name, though. Gotta love the name. Oh, oh that was so George much George is fun. still laughing at me. I am. I was having a blast watching John get his butt kicked <laughs> by the Pope. That was awesome. <laughs> So Neon the Ninja is a game that's still in, uh, what do they call it on Steam? The early, early release. release yeah. The, yeah. It's an early access. Early, early access, access game yeah, you're right. on Steam. So it's still in development. The mechanics of the game are there. The gameplay, the characters, the menus, all that's there. They're still tweaking the game, building out some levels. So they, they put it up for sale so they can start making some uh, money and return on their investment, but also they can get input from the community in building it. And this is another one of those indie games that we talked about that we enjoy so much because small developers are accessible. Uh, we had the guys from uh, New 90s Games, which is the name of the publishing house. They were in the chat with us talking to our viewers. <sighs> All right. What can I say about this game? <laughs> How say, awesome besides it that, it kicked your butt. It was so. Okay. <laughs> it, was, it was so the, the, the concept you're a ninja neon the ninja means you wear bright colors instead of dark colors so they have this cool mechanic where if there's something in the environment the color of your ninja outfit you can spider-man up against it and you're invisible to kind of attack people and that's a really cool mechanic but that's not what the game is about unfortunately that is used so rarely the game is about maddening platforming and near impossible <laughs> boss fights. They've created these huge, bigger than life bosses to fight. And if you can beat them at the end of their level, you will gain their power. So in a preparation for the live stream, I had to play this game because the guy from New 90s Games said, hey, as a bit of advice, it's a tough game. You might want to make sure you beat at least this one boss so you have this one power up to show the rest of the game off. So I said, no problem. I'll go beat this one boss. <laughs> How hard could it be, right? Two hours I spent getting my ass handed to, to me by a flying pope who throws fireballs at you. No, no, no. And I'm jumping in Not the, just a pope. swinging my little tiny katana. It was a Mr. Magoo pope. He, he did look like Mr. Magoo. <laughs> so I was talking with George in the background by text because I'm like, I'm not going to get through this. He's, he's killing me. It's impossible. And it gets more and more maddeningly difficult. I went through and re-beat that boss on the live stream, but with the shield ability that I gained from him the first time. Right. And it still took me about 15, 20 tries. Yeah. It's a handful of a game right now. And of course, we don't know what the finished product <laughs> will end up being, whether it'll be <laughs> right. tougher or easier or what. But uh, for it me, it's not tougher. <laughs> no matter what, this is one of those games that gives you scream moments, gives you like jump up and down, want to throw your controller type moments. And, you know, honestly, that's something that I don't find in a lot of games. And the visual style is gorgeous, first of all. I mean, it's a 
beautifully done game. It feels very much like a Miami Vice kind of a throwback, but modern. Yeah, it's not pixel art, but it does have like that throwback Sonic platformy kind of vibe. Yeah, I'm sold on it. I mean, as far as, you know, after watching you play it, even if I never actually play the game, I'll just keep tuning in watching you play it because so many years (laughs) I got destroyed in Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat and whatever Tekken versus Capcom-y crap that you would always subject me to over the years. And now finally, there's a game out there to just whip John's butt left and right. Just to see me get my ass handed to me repeatedly. That's what you enjoyed all those years watching me. One, two, three, I'm invincible. And then you just destroy me and it'd be crazy. And I'm, this is so much, it was, it was one of my favorite live streams we've done in a while. It was really nice. Like I want to see a part two. I want to see you go after the next level and all that kind of stuff. So the thing is though, it's like, I mean, there's nothing wrong with a challenging game if there's some payoff at the end. Right. Like mm-hmm. you, you struggle and all that stuff. And I mean, personally, I didn't really see that you got that from this. Is that a fair assessment? I absolutely feel your impression. And that was my impression while I was playing the game the first time. You are right. However, in hindsight, having gone back and fought that boss the second time, it was so much easier that I'm like, that actually was a valuable power up. And I can mm. see how it would really okay. pay off. After having played it the first time, I'm like, if I never play this game again, <laughs> I'll be okay. But now I kind of want to go back because I'm like, it was really hard. But George, you made a really good point in that. And I'm not averse to a hard game. I was arguing that it was unnecessarily hard. It's like, here, it's really difficult. Juggle these five axes. I'm like, I got it. I'm like, okay, now I'm going to kick you in the nuts. <laughs> like, Listen, juggling the axes is plenty. You don't have to kick me in the nuts also. All right. And now you're on fire. They keep adding this difficulty. But when I can finally do achieve it, I mean, the live stream, I was screaming. Woo! I was so excited. That was because it's a huge challenge. All right. So, Mo, I get that maybe you didn't feel there was a payoff. When John completed the stage, I was typing and saying the same thing on this side of the screen that he was on the live stream. I was woo with my hands raised and everything. Tell me the last video game that you played that gave you that moment. I don't remember one before this. It's been a long time since I felt that sense of accomplishment. So I get that it's tough, but the payoff is the sense of accomplishment. And don't forget, this is still an early access or early whatever. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, there's still lots of room for them to grow and tweak some things and all like that. But I think that the payoff for me was just the sense of accomplishment of watching John play it. And when I play it, I'll get, hopefully get the same one if I can beat the Pope. But (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it's not fair to, to review this game right now, and I'm yeah. not going to try to because it's early, early release, early access. But whatever review I would have given it after having played it for the live stream, in hindsight, with a fresh having slept on it, I would say it's a full token better now in my mind than it would have been after I first there played it, at least. When I look back on the experience... I hated the experience of frustrating and screaming. And my wife was in the other room going, I've never heard you swear so much playing a video game. I'm like, I know this fucking thing is killing me, you know? And plus, I had the extra stress of like, well, I want to get this done in time for the stream yeah, to start. See, I think that's where a lot of it your negativity might have come from. Because you were trying <laughs> to get it prepared I was under for time pressure. Yeah. If you'd have just been playing the game just for you. It could have been. I think you would have had a yeah, different maybe so. mindset. I, I might go back. I, I think I, I will go back and play more of it now. Sure, I kind of see your point, but I guess I could also see the flip side. And again, this is early release, so I think they're going to definitely do some tweaks. I've played games that are so hard 
I just put them away. Well, yeah. sure. I don't need that level of frustration in my life. <laughs> I think this one definitely has the legs, though, to, to become like a really awesome, you know, and to be an awesome game. It's already there, right, pretty much. You know, I think it's a yeah. little bit of tweaking, though, just to help kind of ease in the people like me who, who stress out easy. I think there's a balance still, and they'll probably find it. Yeah. The two things I wish would change about the game, to add a whole other token to the review for me, is ease me into the difficulty a little bit. Like the first level that they introduce you to should not be as tough. So you understand the mechanics better and you can get your first little power, whatever that might be. Maybe the power is, you know, I can disco dance or something. It doesn't help you. Just make an easy level that lets me learn it. And I wish they would add in that cool neon ninja mechanic a little more because that's so sparingly used. Yeah. And when you use it, it's so neat. Yeah, that neon mechanic was really cool. And that, you know, being the title of the game and everything, when I demoed it a little bit at SFGE, I thought that was going to be the majority of it, like you're saying. And I played a couple of the other levels that you didn't try. Yeah, they could include that part a little bit more because there's not a lot of ninja feel to the game when you're doing the boss battle. There's not a lot of hiding or stuff. That's right. Yeah. It's all none. Yeah. It's, it's all running and screaming. It's all <laughs> <laughs> running and screaming. <laughs> raise your hand. Hold it, America. You can raise it or you can raise it higher. Raise it higher. Now you're drier. Now you're drier with new improved sure. New formula sure aerosol. Stronger ingredients that go on drier. I know before we complete our show, we always like to look off into the distance, what we are looking forward to between now and the next time we get together for the podcast. Uh, Mo, what do you got that you're looking forward to? What I'm looking forward to is a, um, basically it's a DLC to Far Cry 5. Ah. It's coming out, it's called Lost on Mars. Oh, really? So it actually takes place on Mars. Okay. okay. I haven't touched Far Cry 5 since I wrapped it up. Is that exactly. So I was, I mean, and I enjoyed the game. I didn't think Far Cry 5 didn't have a lot of replayability for me. Yeah, me either. You know, because kind of once you go through it, you're done. But this one is basically a totally different new adventure. And so they have like these futuristic weapons and all that kind of stuff. And it just looked really cool. And visually, it looked awesome. I didn't know about this. Okay. Plus, you can actually, those weapons that you get on Mars, if you play the original Far Cry again, you can use those weapons. So like- You can bring them back? You can bring them back oh. and use them there. <laughs> well, that might add some replayability. So, so that, may, you know, that could make it fun. Like to shoot some, you know, I forget when the weapons is like a spike shooter or something. I'm like, that could be kind of fun. Yeah, so I'm really fortunate. I just found out about it last week, but it's coming out on the 17th. It's one of three DLCs that they're planning to come out with. And it's going to, uh-huh. I think it's going to be about 10 bucks for this one. Or you can get like the- Like a season pass deal. The season pass and get the whole thing for like 20. I said, I enjoy Far Cry 5. So I'm definitely looking forward to having something to kind of keep that experience going. All right. Something that I am looking forward to uh, between now and the next time we get together is uh, not something that's uh, brand new, but nearly brand new. I just discovered it. There's a new series that dropped on A&E Biography. There's a new series called Culture Shock. Is this on your radar at all? No. Uh-uh. Never even heard of it. No. The thing that grabbed me, I was flipping through uh, Entertainment Weekly and there was this ad for it and the banner ad was a big VHS tape. And I'm like, all right, keep talking. I'm listening. <laughs> and so it's this new series series on AD biography that looks back at things that were cornerstones, pivotal in just history of culture, culture shock, right? And they have done one on Michael Jackson's last performance. Oh, wow. On the Osbournes and the, the, the cost of the reality show, how it impacted their family. One all about the rise of trash TV. And the next one coming out in just a couple of days that I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to the whole back catalog. They're doing one called Freaks and Geeks, the documentary. Oh, wow. All about that great series. Okay. Yeah. And the one after that, that is one all about Chris Rock's Bring the Pain. 
So it, they're documentaries about things or items or shows that made an impact on pop culture. Oh, cool. cool. It's something I'm really looking forward to checking out. When's the Gen X one coming out? Gen X Grown Up. When's that one coming out? Uh, Gen X will probably be in a few okay. more months. It's not, <laughs> it's not yet been produced <laughs> because that's a huge impact on pop right. culture, the advent and rise of Gen Absolutely. X Grown Up. I know. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah, I get it. That's true. They would be remiss not to do that. I, I think it really would mean incomplete series if they didn't touch on that. <laughs> <laughs> As Pepto coats, it soothes heartburn, as well as upset stomach and diarrhea. Oh, I didn't know you could tell her. I can't. Pepto-Bismol, the one that coats, is the only one you need. If anything in this episode has piqued your interest, we've put links in the show notes you can click on to find out more. Catch up on past shows and be alerted every week when a new one drops by subscribing to us in Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, TuneIn, iTunes, or wherever you like to listen. While in iTunes, take a second to rate and review the show. And if you have a friend who isn't yet listening, why not? Tell them about us. They'll thank you later. We'd love to hear from our fourth listener, so email your thoughts, suggestions, questions, ideas, or complaints on this or any other episode to podcast at genxgrownup.com. And finally, Gen X Grown Up is so much more than just this podcast. You can also find our video content on YouTube or explore our entire body of work on our website at genxgrownup.com. Well, that's going to wrap it up for another Gen X Grown Up podcast, guys. But before we go, I've got a little call out that I'd like to do. Mm -hmm. One of our Gen X Grown Up contributor guys, one of our, I guess, <laughs> ancillary members, you might say, Guano Guy. He's got a new Kickstarter. <laughs> out. Yeah, he's co-host of Comic Sans, and he's got a new Kickstarter going right now on his next issue of the Guano Guy comic book 2.5. Uh, Mo, I'm hoping that you can throw a link down in the show notes for everybody to go out there and support this awesome oh, comic. Of course. It's a lot of fun really cool stuff i've already backed it i know john you've already backed it mm -hmm. yeah i'm looking forward to what comes out in this one i've seen a couple of the early pages that he sent me and they they're pretty funny i, I love backing guys like this i mean yeah. there's it's like indie game developers you know he's an indie comic developer you know we're all just like gen x grown up we're working to build our brand and get more eyes on it and i, I if i can i love to support uh, people that are being creative like that we sure did is anybody else got any other call outs i gotta give a quick call out to uh, everyone who has ever taken the moment to subscribe to us on YouTube. If I had a nickel for every one of you who subscribed to us, <laughs> I would now have more than $50. Wow, well, that's a lot of Because nickels. we broke the 1,000 subscriber wow. barrier. Yeah. That means we're on our way to our second thousand. So if you haven't yet, head on over, subscribe to our YouTube channel, check out our video content over there. But if you have, just a huge thank you to everyone who has subscribed so far, all of our viewers, all of our listeners. Uh, we do it for you. We do it to get feedback from you. And I just want to celebrate and recognize what we've done together. Over a thousand subscribers now on YouTube. It's kind of hard to believe that there's actually at least a thousand people out there who actually care about what we do. Not hard for me to believe at all. It's just a matter of finding them. <laughs> we know they're out there. Yeah. Uh, so congrats, guys. Congratulations to you too, man. That is going to do it for another episode of the Gen X Grown Up Podcast. I am John. George, thanks for being here. Yes, sir. And Mo, always appreciate you. Oh, thanks, man. And most importantly, fourth listener, we appreciate you. We will be back in two weeks with a new episode of the show. And in one week with our backtrack, the backtrack topic next week is going to be the evolution of digital storage. Ooh. How did we save all of our media and our floppies and our USB sticks and our CDs and just how that's evolved over time. We're going to dig in deep on that. I hope to see you then. George, Mo, talk to you guys later. See you guys. Take care. Bye-bye. This podcast is an affiliate of the GWW Radio Network. 
visit Geeks Worldwide at thegww.com for news, reviews, and opinions on video games, comics, TV, cosplay, and more. Uh-oh. Hello? It, pause right here. Mo, can you Hello? hear us? Everybody's here. We hear you. Text in. We hear you. Oh. Because you guys were kind of... He says he can't hear Garbled anyone. as it was. Yeah, I heard you just a little bit... Uh, a little bit garbled, but not much. He's typing. Uh, can you type? Okay, there we go. Oh, there you are. Oh, you hear us now? Hello? There who is? Yeah, I can hear you now. Oh, now you hear me. That was weird. Okay, and now it's back. Yep, can you hear me? Yeah, it's just a little bit like muffly, but it's back now. Talk some more. Yeah, actually, you sound a little muffly to me, too. Yeah, I don't know why. Hello, hello, hello. My guess is Zencaster's having to compress his voice over IP because his signal is probably dropped in strength or speed. Maybe. Okay. Actually, George sounds, you sound like you're on helium to me. You, you, you sound like you're like low pitched. So I still sound compressed? Well, you, you sound compressed to me. I don't know if the record, that just could be the VOIP. It may sound fine. Yeah, I'll do another recording. So I'm going to just stop this recording. Okay, so we're recording again, just yep. for safety. I'm Allison Holland, host of the Kennedy Dynasty podcast. Equipped with a microphone and a long-term fascination of the Kennedy family, I am joined by an incredible cast of experts, friends, and guests to take you on a fun, relaxed, yet informative journey through history and pop culture. From book references to fashion to philanthropy to our modern expectations of the presidency itself, you'll see that there is so much more to Kennedy than just JFK or conspiracy theories. Join me for the Kennedy Dynasty podcast.